Well, welcome back, everyone, to Amazing Grace Talk podcast. This is a first for us today. We are trying out this. Uh, we switched to YouTube. We're on all pod, uh, podcast platforms, but now we're going to try out the Zoom. So uh, a friend of mine is on the show today. His name is uh, Beto Pena, and welcome to the show, Beto. Thank you. Yep. I want to tell just a little bit about him. Um, I've known Beto and his sister uh, and, gosh, two sisters since I was about 11 years old, probably 10 or 11. Beto was very little. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, well, young. Okay. Young. I don't know how old you were, but um, we have been in each other's lives for many, many years. And it's been a, just an honor to be his friend. I always say mm -hmm. Beto is one of my favorite people on earth. Um, and I mean it. He's one of the most sincere wonderful people I've ever met in my life. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And uh, so today what we're going to talk about on the show is a subject that is really close to his heart. And it is talking about things that could have happened in your life that could allow you to question your sexuality, um, a question actually just who you are. I actually started a little backwards, but I did. I, I got to go back because I want to tell you who Beto is. He is a former U.S. helicopter rescue swimmer, a national speaker, a ministry for 20 plus years. He has a master's degree in counseling. I love that about you. And that's just a natural for you anyway. And he has a 14, 14 year old son and has been married to his princess for over 17 years. So that is a little bit about Beto. I know that we both talked about this before we came on, you know, sometimes when you've got a really important subject and thing mm -hmm. that you know that can be an impact in someone else's life, the enemy loves to come in and try to break things down or throw a monkey wrench in things or just make things not go as smoothly. And we know that we have the power to overcome that. And I have Jill just yeah. talking about it, just saying, you know, there's, so we just wanted to claim that right off the bat. And uh, before we even started. So Beto, you start and tell us uh, what's close to your heart. Well, for about, gosh, over 20 years, God has really put on my heart uh, just the urge to just share my story. And, you know, if we have blood in our veins, uh, if we have breath in our lungs, that means we're alive. And if we've been alive for more than just a couple of years, man, we've been through stuff. And who could not benefit from just the things that each of us have been through, especially as we've overcome and seen the truth of things? You know, scripture says, you know, as we've been comforted, so we can comfort others. And so really, that's my heart. And to be quite honest, I've told God, because uh, again, 20 years ago, he said, Beto, I want you to speak about this. And I'm like, oh, heck no, find somebody else. Forget it. It's one of the most controversial topics on the planet. No, how, no way. Uh, uh, forget it. I know you're God, but <laughs> find somebody else. And so literally that's, that's where I've been at for gosh, again, over 20 years. Um, but as I see what's happening in our society today, now, number one, I'm not here to judge. Because who of us can judge anybody? Because, you know, no, nobody's perfect. We've all been through stuff. We all do. We're all idiots, basically, when it comes to God's standard. 
And thank God he does not judge us by our own standards. He judges us by just how good he is. And if we've ever asked him into our lives, you know, he doesn't see just how dumb we are and human or peopley, you know, just how goofy we are. He doesn't see us. He sees his son in us. And that is what he judges each of us by. So it's not about us. It's all about him. But still, even though it's been all about him, I told him, oh, heck no. And the subject is simply uh, in my teenage years and in my early 20s, I, I really questioned just who I was in the way of, you know, society you see today. So number one, again, I'm not judging anybody because uh, we're all human. And I see my friends that are parents, some of their sons and daughters, uh, you know, going into the gay lifestyle, go, you know, even turning uh, or even transitioning to the opposite sex and the mm-hmm. way media is, you know, just, uh, you know, hey, whatever goes, you know, and in any society, whether it's drug use, alcohol, if it, you know, no matter what it is, simple lying, you know, it, we seem to be a society where, you know, everything goes. And, you know, for each of us, I know that you know, a lot of people believe that, hey, for me, whatever's true for me is true for me. And what's true for you is what's true for you. Mm -hmm. And if that's where you're at, hey, I'm not, I'm not here to try to convince you because I'm just me. So all I want to do is just share my story. Because if my story and if your story, anybody's story who dares to share, if it can help somebody along life's journey to wherever it is they want to go, hey, Yay, God. And that's really why I came on tonight. And all that to say, because I know that was just a lot and just a little bit, is that I just had a lot of events in my life that I questioned at one point, am I, am I straight or am I gay? Now, number one, I've never been, I've never been gay. I've never had uh, an experience. I've never had any situations, been put in anything like that. You know, I'm I'm as straight as they, as they come. And yeah, I don't know if you're a Marvel fan, but even in uh, Thor Ragnarok, he says, oh, I love women, maybe even a little too much, you know, <laughs> within reason. But I mean, you know, I, I've just never gone that way, you know, and I know a lot of people have. And But being in counseling for so many years, I've talked with everybody from CEOs to people on the streets. Uh, from all walks of life, every every type of person you can imagine has been in the chair across from me in you know a pastoral setting. Um, and when it comes to the subject of homosexuality, probably ninety percent of the folks that I've spoken with after I shared part of my story, they said, without a doubt, you know, without fail, they say, you know, if I would have known the truth of some of the things that I had been through. Mm -hmm. And if I could have seen them from a different point of view, actually through the lens of truth, you know, perhaps things would be different these days. And, you know, 70% of all of those folks say, you know what, I would have never wished this on anybody, much less myself, but that's just who I am. Yeah. Or at least that's who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And again, I just wish I could have heard some of this early on. So again, there's going to be some people uh, who watch this or listen to this and they're going to say, well, you've never, you've never been down that road. So you don't even have a right to speak 
into this. Well, that might be true. And I'm not here to speak to everybody, but for anybody that might have a little bit of confusion, uh, you know, maybe my story can help out. Yep. So really, that's I why. I think so too, because I think that what's, again, we're not here to judge of what someone's sexual orientation is whatsoever. But at this day and time, it's even interesting. We had the TV on for our grandkids and on Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, you know, it was just all about, you know, be who you are and do. And and I'm not, I just think that when kids are that young, I think that is way too confusing. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. I think that is way too confusing. And it's just putting, um, again, we're not here to say anything. We don't have to say that anymore, but we're not here to say if you are gay, if you are lesbian, whatever, we're not judging that. That is who you are just sharing a story today. But to throw out and to just throw confusion rather than uh, maybe giving them the truth of what God's mm-hmm. word is, that's that's the difference. And just giving them the opportunity to know both. Yeah. Instead and then they can choose. Yeah. Yeah. And if they still want to go that way, hey, you know, that's that's their life. You know, I agree. So absolutely. I agree. So would you like to um, maybe just start out with, I know you had a lot of different events in your life that mm-hmm. um, was made you question these things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them being your parents' divorce. Um, right. Maybe if you want to speak on that or you just let me know. Yeah, no, absolutely. My parents, uh, my parents divorced very early on when I was eight years old and They divorced basically because my dad was a a womanizer, typical old Hispanic male, muy macho, you know, and he, uh, you know, where we lived, you know, in the Dallas area, you know, he had a girl probably in every city. Well, that's not really what you want to do to have a successful marriage. I saw the, basically the hell that he put my mom through. Uh, He was very dominant uh, towards my sisters, just not abusive, but verbally abusive and just, I mean, you know, we all have our issues. He had his own issues growing up. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's probably the way his father was very strict, very stern. That's kind of what it meant to be a man. And I, you know, I, I was pretty young, probably about nine or 10 reflecting on what I had seen my dad put my sisters through and my mom through, you know, in no certain terms, I kind of associated in my mind you know, if that's what it means to be a man, no, thank you. Now, obviously, I didn't think I was a girl or anything like that. But I thought if that's what manhood is, I want no part of it. And so literally, that was kind of my thought process. Number one, I didn't have the healthy role model of here's what it means to be a man. He was very distant, very emotionally distant, uh, you know, just into his own things. And again, so that was that was in my mind. That's what it meant to be a man. That's what it meant to be a dad. That's what it meant to be a husband. Are you needing a roof inspection? Think you may have hail damage? Wondering if insurance will cover it? Or just looking for some beautiful seamless gutters? If so, and you are located in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, then give Blue Diamond Roofing and Construction a call at 469-360-1578 for your free consultation. I have a quick question and I don't want to take Mm -hmm. you off track, but you're good. You told me how he was with your sisters, but how was he with you being the only son? 
What did he kind of ignore you? Was he, uh, did he give you much attention? Um, how was he to you? Well, it's a, that's a good question. He, you know, he was proud to have a son, but you never really knew it because, you know, we were, we were probably middle-class, but I could tell that he was always wanting more. So he had apartments that he, you know, remodeled and he, he was in a lot of different businesses. So he was always into his own thing. Never, never really making family time a priority, if you will. So I always, I kind of saw my dad from a distance, you know, he was there but again, until they divorced. Right. But, you know, you didn't even, you know, he was so strict. You didn't even want to try to have a Slurpee in front of him because he's like, Oh, we're going to take you to dinner. And, you know, those are just crazy stories where it's just like, okay, no, dad, here you go. You know? So it's, so I knew him from a distance and I just knew I didn't want to be anything like that. So yeah, he didn't really give much time to us. But where did you get your role models from? If you knew that that didn't seem right and you turned the other direction, where do you feel like you got your male role models? Well, Growing up in a skating rink, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, in Dallas, that's just what you do uh, in the mm-hmm. Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, you know, way back when, just a couple years ago. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to give away my age. You. Right, right. And so, you know, you learn from, you know, the older guys. You learn what the corner of this skating rink is for behind the foosball machine, making out with girls and learning how to cuss and fight and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, there were some there were some male role models, but uh, let's just say I'm, I'm not allowing my son to grow up in the skating rink because I know what I learned. <laughs> yeah. A little too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he is. I'm so proud of my son. I mean, now he's like way, way taller than I am. Yeah. uh, Because of my wife's father's genes. Uh, But yeah, I just love my son. And I'm so glad that he's so many things that I was not at his age. So, so yeah. So I had those male role models, mm, but not very healthy ones. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how you became you. And always had the respect for women. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Were you in church early on? Were you? You know what? I didn't grow up in church. Actually, we were Catholic, I guess you could say, until I was eight years old. Because being, you know, having a Hispanic father, uh, we grew up Catholic until eight. But, you know, we really didn't give it much thought after that because we could see how he was away from the church. So, you know, how much credence were we going to give this church thing? Mm -hmm. So I I would say my male role models came much later in life, probably uh, mid to late teens, early 20s. And then obviously I've had mentors, you know, ever since. And so so but early teenage, well, all my throughout my teenage years, it was pretty confusing, which, you know, which is where some of this comes in at. Mm -hmm. So. So number one, now, when I tell you, when I share with you uh, some of these events or literally the events that caused my caused me to question, you know, just who I was, you know, any average person would probably come to the conclusion, dude, how how did you ever think that from all of those? Because everything that you went through was 100 percent normal. What what happened? You know, where did your thinking get off? Well, we'll talk about that. And so, so number one, uh, 
didn't have the healthy uh, male role model, Mm -hmm. knew that if that's what manhood looked like because of the role model that I did have, I knew or I thought, yeah, no, thanks. I I don't want to treat my sisters that way. I don't want to treat my mom that way. I didn't want to treat my future family that way. You know, if I ever got married and had daughters or, you know, just kids in general, I I knew I, again, right. I I just didn't want to be like him. I didn't want to be like my dad. So, so that was number one. So without that, that male role model, well, later on my, my mom, uh, being a single mom doing the best she can, she carried mail for the post office for a lot of years, injured her back. So she had to switch going to nights at the post office, you know, being, you know, sorting the mail and things like that. And so my sisters being older, so yes, I'm the baby of the bunch. They, they saw that as a new opportunity to have parties. She had a lot of older friends. You were one of them and little brother. We always have crushes on older sisters' girlfriends because, you know, y'all are just so girly, you know, and I just, I loved when all my sisters' girlfriends came over because, hello, because y'all would always squeeze my cheeks and all of that, you know, and it was all this attention and- Everybody thought you were cute. They're like, Beto. Yeah. I guess, I guess. So (laughs) anyways, so I was just always in love. Uh, with my older <laughs> sister's friends. Well, one day she had a couple of friends over and she thought it'd be a really great idea uh, to put me in the closet with one of her friends just as an experiment. And uh, this, you know, it's a big walk-in closet, my parents' walk-in closet or my mom's. And when they shut the door, it was pitch black. And it's like this girl pursued me like a lioness pursues its prey. And I mean, I'm just like, you know, now at 16, pre-Christian, that would have been dream come true. But at 10 years old, when not, you're not really, when you're not really ready for that kind of stuff, that'll, that'll mess you up. So I immediately had the thought in my mind, again, not conscious thought, but girls are dangerous, you know, yeah. uh, because if that's what girls, if that's what girlfriends do, uh, they're, they're dangerous. You know, so that was number two, uh, if you would. Uh, then around, gosh, probably, yeah, while my mom was working nights at the post office, yeah, so my sisters would have parties. Yeah. And, you know, all kinds of fun drinks and stuff and stuff. And, you, you know, you don't realize that the trash can punch is mostly alcohol. You just don't because yeah. it tastes like punch. And so <clears throat> there was one of her guy friends there that uh, could see um, her little brother about to just absolutely, for lack of a better phrase, blow chunks. I mean, he's like, oh my God, you know, probably experienced, whatever. Well, it's got Everclear in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he, so really he took me up on his knee, like a, kind of like a big brother. And he's like, you know, and he put his arm around me. He's like, Hey man, I got you. You're going to be good. You know, don't throw up. You just sit here, you know, and he's just kind of like a big brother, just kind of like patting my back, you know? And I remember feeling in that moment, you know, this, wow, this feels really good. This feels really comforting. It feels really, wow. This just feels really caring. And so you could kind of chalk that down later on in life as another confusing event. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, number one, we had the no healthy role model. We had, if that's what it meant to, you know, be a man, no thanks. And now, you know, girls are, are dangerous because, you know, when you're 10 years old and they're pursuing you with everything they have, it's like, uh, girls are dangerous. And now you've got this, you know, this warmth kind of what I learned later on in life is like this brotherhood, this male bond mm-hmm. that is completely normal. So, but at the time, you know, it's like, okay, that, that was weird. What, you know, anyways, I'll get into that. There was a time also in junior high. So this is just another event where it's like star athlete, star academic guy of junior high. He was like star runner, star football, star tennis, you know, most voted to, you know, go to MIT or Princeton or whatever. And his family was rich. Well, he was everything that I was not. I was voted to be in the principal's office every day from breakdancing and getting in trouble and, you know, being the class clown. And, and I was, I was not Mr. Academic. I was, you know, I was too busy being the class clown <laughs> and, you know, our, my, my mom being a single mom, we certainly didn't have money. And, you know, so he was everything that I was not. So literally I just found one day just kind of looking at the guy like, man, I, I want to be like that. You know, and I just really admired this guy, super admired this guy because I'm like, he hasn't made and everybody knows it. All the girls wanted to date him and all the guys wanted to be like him. Well, I was in that, I was in that, you know, guy category. I, I want to be exactly like him. So I admired this. I mean, I was drawn to him. Yeah. Well, I can see chalk that. that. Yeah. So chalk that down to another confusing idea later in life. Okay. Uh, at the time you don't really think much about it, but again, we'll get into how that just came full circle later on. Well then, you know, being kind of popular because, you know, skater, you know, if you, if you could do a lot of stuff on skates at the skating rink, you know, you're, you're kind of popular. I mean, you yes. know, and if you could break dance and put shows on in the hallways at school, you know, you're kind of putting. So, you know, not because I was so good looking or so debonair or anything like that. You know, I, I kind of had a lot of options for girlfriends. And, you know, you get with one girl and, you know, kind of get bored and here comes another and then here comes another. And so I ne- so my relationships never lasted more than a week or two or even a month at the longest. And but there would also come a point in the relationship where when she got too close to me, kind of realized later on, once I got into counseling and all that kind of stuff, how I easily associated the emotional closement or the enclosement, the emotional closeness to almost that physical closeness that happened at 10 years old with that, you know, older sister's friends pursuing me in a dark closet. Again, later in life, yes, as many as many dark closets with girls that you want to, but not at 10 years old, Yeah, you know? Um, I mean, that'll just mess you the heck up. Yeah. And uh, so, so I had that double facet of, okay, no, 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 girls are just dangerous, you know, and they get too close. No, thank you. And then I'm on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Mm-hmm. Again, later on, that would come full circle and you'll see what I'm talking about. My first job was at a grocery store. I was sacking groceries. And, you know, kind of fun. Uh, You get to hang out with people and just kind of entertain. But then I got a promotion to the deli department. And going to the deli department, it's like a dollar fifty an hour raise. You're like, touching, I'm banking now. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, right, right. And so, uh, so one of my coworkers, who I worked a lot with, well, he was gay. He was homosexual. And, you know, the more time you spend with somebody uh, during a work shift, you kind of learn their story. And, uh, you know, poor guy, some of the things that he had been through. I mean, some of the things I didn't want to hear about. But nonetheless, I mean, we were kind of doing life together, you know, working all the time together. So I, so I would hear his story and just more of what he had been through in life. And it was during this season where a lot, you know, some of the things that he talked about kind of lined up with some of the things that my, you know, that had happened in my life. You know, he, he had a distant father. Um, he uh, had encounters with girls that kind of freaked him out. Uh, his relationships never really lasted. Um, you know, he was, you know, he had different attractions, but he was attracted, you know, to guys at, you know, different points of his life. And of course he had gone through some abuse and had some experience, you know, all that kind of stuff. And again, I just I felt bad for the guy. Uh, and he liked, you know, nice clothes and cars and wanted a, a cool house. And why well, one of those things too, because, you know, growing up with a single mom basically definitely didn't have any of that. And so the more of those things I heard about his life, some of those you know, lined again, lined up with mine. And I'm like, again, not having an identity because again, every, every little boy, every little girl grows up, you know, either having, you know, a mom to look to or a dad to look to, you know, the, you know, for kind of the, the identity of, Hey, here's what it means to be, you right. know, a contributing member of society. Here's what it means to be a guy. Here's what it means to be, you know, all those things that every little boy, every little girl is supposed to get. Well, my conversation with Beto was such a great conversation that we had to make it into two parts. So we're going to be able to pick up where we left off on our next episode of Amazing Grace Talk. Well, thanks everyone for joining us again. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Erica C. Meyer Williamson. And please subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any of the amazing stories that could open your eyes and seeing God in a whole new light and bring hope and healing to your life. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, please email me at ericaseemeyer at gmail.com and share a little of your story. If you have enjoyed these podcasts and would like to be one of our awesome supporters, please click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up for monthly support or a one-time donation. We thank you all for your generous support. And last but not least, we would be so honored if you would write a good review, subscribe to the show, and share this podcast on your social media. We'll see you back here next time on Amazing Grace Talk. Mm -hmm.